Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. Wow, it has been quite a spring. I loved having our whole month of April based on our friend and survivor and her story and doing that multi-part series. I think so many of you survivors have connected with her story, with the brave steps that she's taken, the courage to just hop onto the healing journey is one in a million. Like for so many of us, it's like, it's the hard thing to do and she's done it and she's made a lot of really brave steps and we're so proud of her and excited to continue walking with her. Um, along her healing journey, but I am really excited to introduce to you my new friend, Kevin Sweeney. He is the author of The Making of a Mystic, subtitle, My Journey with Mushrooms, My Life as a Pastor, and Why It's Okay for Everyone to Relax. Welcome, Kevin. (laughs) Oh, I just... I love hearing people say that the subtitle of that book, it's so to. much fun. It's very catchy and it's it packs really a what, punch. Yeah. It packs a punch. Yeah. I mean, and, when you start reading it, it's you're waiting to get to that part. Mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very the funny thing about that is I'm aware of, you know, when Mary you say it packs a punch and the intriguing, kind of funny, like yeah. kind of naughty, you know, or whatever people mm-hmm. think about it. But then at the same time, that sub the title and the subtitle does actually capture mm-hmm. a larger zoomed out picture of my life and also mm-hmm. what you see in the book, you know, my mm-hmm. own story, the mm-hmm. wisdom, and then, uh, you know, what I'm saying in the end of like, hey, for mm-hmm. me, the mystic knows somehow mysteriously we're all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And we can unclench our jaw muscles a little bit and relax <laughs> our face muscles and sort of dare to uncoil and dare to be a little more unguarded slowly into this world. And that's what I hope for. And even before any questions, Mm -hmm. I do want to say as a first time author Mm -hmm. with the hustling I've done to reach out to people, to be on podcasts and do that, I do not take for granted people like both of you inviting me on without seeing me on other podcasts yet and mm. seeing like oh he was on this one that's cool because I like them and that feels safe and good so mm. I think without that larger thing of seeing that and both of you choosing to do this I'm so grateful mm. and I do not take it for granted and I enjoy these times so thank thank mm. you to both of you because that's just so meaningful for me where I'm at in my life oh good well I'm so glad I mean I'm really honored that you wanted to be on the one voice podcast and honestly just as I continue to eat up your book. I just realized, you know, we are, we are kindred spirits and you are such a part of this community and in so many ways, just your heart and your posture. As I said, before we started recording and yeah, I just think you really get, you get what this journey is like and the way that you approach life, especially as a mystic, which we'll dive into is truly the way I view healing and especially healing when, um, it's walking with Jesus mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. so that's really, I mean, the way you communicate is very powerful. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, just, I would love to dive into more of your story. Um, but also just, I want to know like so much of your book 
really taps into a lot of pieces I want to unpack eventually about, you know, dropping expectation and mm-hmm. like looking at everybody's what, favorite like, thing to do, letting go of yeah. expectations. Yes. Oh. But right, right, right. But that has been one of the biggest places of freedom in my life. And I think as I was reading your words for a long time, I was pegging it on the fact that I turned 40 recently mm-hmm. and something changes at that point um, where you kind of don't give any more Fs about things. But at the <laughs> same time, I think there's something to do with the spirituality of that. And um, it links up with those of us, many of us who are listening, who are survivors of abuse, who carry trauma, who carry you know, even a double layer, maybe religious trauma. Mm. And, mm. and there's a part in, in the book, it's actually toward the end. I really um, appreciated where you talk about, you know, maybe you don't need to read your Bible more right now, because what you need is to find a safe space to be brutally honest about the hurt you're carrying. And you kind of went on, Kevin, to talk about, you know, maybe you don't need another big conference. You just need to find a good therapist, you know, or you don't need another 21 day fast or another Bible reading plan or whatever it is, because Mm. you're just searching for this freedom. And sometimes I think for some of us, we do, we have used religiosity Mm. or church or, or honestly, even ministry as a band-aid to our wounds and something for our ego to feel like, okay, well, I'm doing something, Mm. but it's never going deep enough. I wonder if you could start there, unpack. I know I'm starting at the end of your book, but that one hit me so hard specifically Mm. for our listeners Mm. um, because there's a lot of freedom behind Mm. what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are, those are important parts. I think for people who if a part of their healing journey is religious trauma, spiritual trauma, it's so, it's so sad and it's so real and it's so hard when the healing journey is family systems, authority, religion is all woven together mm-hmm. into one knot. That's so hard to disentangle. And that's so much yeah. of the story. It sucks mm-hmm. that it's like that, but it is. And we always go from what has happened and we always heal from there. And mm-hmm. yes, religion can be a very convenient tool that we can use to avoid reality. Yeah. yeah. Whether that's white knuckling our beliefs and holding on to sort of delusional things, whether that's the ministry person who can, whose ego can just like, there's a quote in the book somewhere that says something like, you know, a lot of, it's something about like a lot of ministry is just the ego dressed up in church clothes, trying to look yeah. busy. Uh-huh. You know, there's the path forward is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not just trying harder. It's, it's real healing. And I think people can use religion as a way of avoiding reality. I think people can use reading the Bible as a way of avoiding the truth of their own lives. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean the Bible is bad. It doesn't mean the story of scripture is a bad one. No, the story is this larger movement of the universe moving towards more and more creativity in life. And it's a story of healing and it's a story of death and resurrection. And to me, it's the story, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I'm a Christian because there's this amazing story that I've fallen into and been born into, into this world. But, mm-hmm. you know, the whole like conference culture or moving on mm-hmm. to the next thing. And mm-hmm. I have my thoughts on that. And I have my critiques where I'm like, we're just looking for this next special thing that we think is supposed to make everything click. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to a deliverance night. And if I just grunt hard enough or try hard enough out of my ego, when I pray, somehow it's all going to fall into place. Or I'm going, mm-hmm. I paid another, a large amount of money for this conference. And that sermon, the next note, I'm taking rigorous notes, which I'm never going to look at again, but I'm taking <laughs> my rigorous notes. And you, know, maybe if I just cry harder in worship, maybe if I clench my fist stronger and the, mm. the, the human part of that is because we desire healing yeah, because we yeah. want more. So I'm not mm-hmm. knocking the people who are there because people were vulnerable and we desire real healing. Mm-hmm. But I do think there are systems in place of religion that can somehow subtly communicate in the atmosphere. This next thing's supposed to magically make everything work. And what I want to tell people is the real healing journey is always following this trajectory we see in scripture of life, death, and resurrection. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. No matter how hard you pray or how much money you pay for the next tote bag at a conference or whatever yeah. it is, there is this journey the spirit invites us into to take those parts that we want to hide in our shadows because they're painful. They're hard to accept. They're hard to own. We don't want those things to be a part of our story, right? We all, we've all had versions of that. And to take them and learn to befriend our pain, to take it into us and be like, this is, this is what happened. This is a part of me. I I never knew. I grew up having to wonder whether or not that parent wanted me around. That's really hard to accept. I had to grow up wondering, am I lovable? Because this person left, I have to take all that into me and feel it all the way through and accept it and discover the mystery of in the midst of that Christ holds all of this together and holds me together. And that thing that I thought if I accepted her face would kill me, didn't, it was just like, I tell people it's not death. It's not over. It's just really hard and painful. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to constantly call people back to the depth of that journey and expose the ways in which we can do good things and religious things, but Mm -hmm. as an unconscious way of avoiding the real journey. Yeah. Yeah. I think that really resonates again with, so many of our listeners in our community being those who have gone through abuse. One of the common things that many survivors have said to me is like, I'm always waiting for the next shoe to drop. Mm. And in the same way, it's almost like I see this pattern too. It's not communicated as much as that one. That's the negative side. That's the dark side. But the other side of it, of the, of the shadow side would be you're also waiting for this one miraculous thing to happen. This one thing that's going to make the whole healing path, like light up and send you, you know, propelled on a helicopter down towards the end of it or something, you know, Mm. but it, it's not like that. And I, you know, I've got a lot of flack over the years for saying healing is a lifelong journey, but man, when you can look at it like that and release the expectation of some amazing one thing propelling Mm. you, the journey is fun. It's an adventure. And, um, I get flack for that too, but it, it's the, it's the journey. And you say in your book, the difference between seeing the journey and doing the journey, that's the life of the mystic. Absolutely. So what does that look like for you? Like maybe even start for those who maybe don't understand what mystic means, you know what Mm. I mean? Yeah. I do want to say when, when you said, when you were saying all that, you know, which is so important, I thought about a story when I was, you know, I have this, I'll, I can say more about that, but I have this spontaneous awakening moment with God. I had no awareness of church stuff. You know, I, I was yeah. a part of the Catholic church when I was little and I soon yeah. left. And 
my parents didn't force that on me. And I'm really grateful for that. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's like, I told my mom recently, I'm like, I feel like I left Catholic school in third grade. And soon after like mass, whenever that was like with this pleasant indifference hmm. of like, it wasn't like, this is what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, I don't think <laughs> yeah. I've ever heard that, but mm-hmm. I also didn't have any oppositional energy or antagonism or trauma or shame from it. And I'm grateful for that. I kind of began like, okay, that, I don't know what that was, but I'm cool. And I didn't really think about it. Hmm. But when I was 20 and I was first, being a part of churches, probably 21 at the time. Mm -hmm. I remember being at this large church in Los Angeles and there's an altar call. You're like, man, this church is amazing. 400 people went to the altar call. And after four weeks, you're like, oh, it's the same 400 people every week. (laughs) (laughs) Rededicating. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, the pastor was up there just like, does anyone have anxiety or something? People raised Mm -hmm. their hand and he's like, in the name of something, something in the name of Jesus, your anxiety has gone. And I'm like, that is irresponsible. Mm. That is so dangerous. Mm -hmm. And that is so damaging for this young person I'm looking at who so desperately wants to believe and does believe what you're saying is true. But when Mm -hmm. Thursday comes around and they're anxious again or struggling, what are they going to think? Well, the pastor Mm -hmm. told me this. Is it my fault? And like all that stuff. And I'm like, that is such, even if it's coming from the right Mm -hmm. place, the ignorance of that is causing Mm -hmm. a lot of damage to people. Because like you said, it's a lifelong journey. So I did Mm -hmm. want to say that story because I remember that so vividly and I was really young and I'm like, that's not how this works. (laughs) Even at that age, you know, I was new to the church. I'm like, no. And yeah, for, you know, the, the mystic, if we talk about that is the mystic is the one who can learn to live with no resistance, Okay. you know, and who can start to embody this really pure form of acceptance and Mm -hmm. i would tell people the mystic doesn't hold on to anything because they experience at a deeper level they're being held by everything Mm -hmm. and you know on a on a practical level the mystic is the one who just knows god and Mm -hmm. who also knows to know god is actually to be known by god Mm -hmm. and to see is actually to be seen and to experience is actually to experience the acceptance and love and embrace of God. And that was a great gift of my journey was the foundation of my faith in my spontaneous awakening moment with God was direct, immediate experience of spirit. I did, it, it was never about worth. There was no morality attached to it. By, by many standards, I would have been considered a horrible person at that age because mm-hmm. of what I, how, who, how I was just manipulating, objectifying, self-centered. I'm going to do drugs and I don't care about anybody because I don't have the capacity to feel at this age, you know, and I'm Mm -hmm. a dangerous person. (laughs) And yet on my journey, that first experience was this universal yes Mm. to the world, but to me, like, oh, I've been like, like, you know, (laughs) you know, you hear in R&B songs, I have been searching for love in all the wrong places. (laughs) And I've, my whole life up until this point has been one giant project of getting people to recognize me and think I'm special. Cause I think that's going to make me valuable and have some sense of worth in this world. Mm-hmm. And that project is exhausting itself. Cause I'm seeing through it. Like my journey towards God was this radical self-awareness, this radical inward journey to the mm-hmm. point where I eventually discovered God and discovered my true self. And when you're constantly hustling 
for validation and approval. It's so exhausting and it's never enough. And the applause of yesterday never say anything about how you feel about who you are today, no matter how loud they were. Mm -hmm. And to finally stop that wheel and to like relax and unguard my heart and to feel this incoming of Christ and this, I, I mean, in that moment, I could feel like light and love being infused into my entire being basically. So from the beginning, you know, my faith, spirituality, life with God was not here are the things I believe about God. It was a direct, this whole thing is about this infinite love pouring out into the world and it's pouring into me. And I was, it just floored me. And it, and I was on mushrooms at the time, if you want to talk about mm -hmm. that. And then it just changed. <laughs> of course. It restructured my entire life on a practice. I walked away from everything I ever did after that. And mm -hmm. it rewired my consciousness in a way where I was like, my whole life now is, is going deeper into this mystery, into this love. Yeah. And you, you talked about how, you know, everything from the outward perspective was like, I mean, you were a great athlete. You were an up and coming rapper. Like, come on now. Yeah. Like, Not everyone knows that. So if you read this book, I, people, people are in for a surprise. <laughs> I would like to hear some of that. Um, but, you know, for you to turn away, it wasn't like you were just turning away from pain and like seeking healing. Like you were turning away from all that the ego loves. Right. Mm. And you were real. It was a sacrifice, which you say a mystic does. They sacrifice. Mm. They it's you're making yourself dead to really be and have an experience with God. And yeah, most an people, one. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Most most people will only move towards deep change when they're at the bottom. Mm. That's what AA teaches us. You know, that's what uh, when yeah, Rich, someone like a Richard Rohr says you know, what changes us is great love and great suffering because they both mm. render you so out of control. Suffering undoes your ego management techniques, strips you of all that. You're like, what's left? I don't know. I need help. Mm. So it takes, it's at the bottom. The mystic is the one who, who seeks change and walks away when they're at the top. Mm. You weren't seeking out these experiences. You know, you, you did a few times using mushrooms for experiences. It wasn't because you were an addict. It wasn't because you were so low and suffering. You were just doing it. You know, the writer, George Bernard Shaw says, the only thing worse than not getting what you want is getting what you want. <laughs> and, you know, the great 20th century mystic Thomas Merton says, mm -hmm. you know, we spend the first 35 years of our life climbing our ladder to get to the top only to realize that our ladders propped up against the wrong building. Yes, loved that. That is the story of my life right there. Mm, I okay. up until 18, I was like, I've worked so hard in basketball and music to put myself in places to go further in both. And when I was at the top, I was like, I'm not happy. Hmm. When I'm at the top, I'm like, why am I so restless? Why do yeah. I always need the next thing? Why is this not doing for me what I thought it was supposed to do for me? It's not delivering what the culture told me it was supposed to give mm. me. So my thing was. What do you do when you get everything the culture is telling you you're supposed to have to be happy? And you're like, but if I'm really honest, because my journey was self-awareness and I was really honest from a young age, I was like, I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a little saying when we were teenagers, like we don't smoke weed to get to get high. We smoke weed to get by. Get by yeah. like, it was a survival thing. You know, it was like, because mm -hmm. I want to sleep because I can't sleep without this, you know, at, oh, at least yeah. at least smoking weed. And mm -hmm. my journey was like, all I want to know is what's real. Mm -hmm. I wasn't searching for Jesus. I wasn't searching for God per se. I was like, what is, 
what is real? Because when you start to see through your illusions of, oh, I always thought this was going to make me happy. And it doesn't. Well, that's not true. I always thought this would bring me life. And now I have it. And guess what? I look around. This isn't working either for me. You know, <laughs> like once you see through all of your illusions, what's left is all kinds of questions about what is going to bring us joy? What is happening in this world? What does it mean to be human? Where am I going to find life? And I so desperately just wanted something real when everything else was so fleeting and fading. And that was my story was once I had that profound experience of God and of love and of this universal unconditional constant flowing of love into me that was the center point that couldn't be moved. I was like, oh, this was the thing the whole time and all these other things. It's like, did I really love basketball or did my ego just need what it did for me for okay. a sense of value? Did mm -hmm. I really love music? Yeah, sure. I liked it, but or was it just another thing my ego did to get a sense of validation? Mm -hmm. And this right here, along with the love I was learning, my girlfriend at the time was showing to me, who's now my wife. Like my, I tell people my wife's human conditional in, in her own way. I mean, obviously my wife loves me, but like, you know, we love each other imperfectly. You know, mm -hmm. Cornel West says, we're just, we're trying to love our crooked neighbor with our crooked heart. You know, that's all we can do. Mm -hmm. And my wife seeing me at that age opened me up to the possibility of being seen by God and my life, my wife loving me without really wanting anything from me. I say that because when my wife and I met at 16, it was like a house party in LA got broken up. We ended up in the same car. That's how we got, that's how oh we met God, basically. So funny. <laughs> this is like Hollywood film worthy. Are you kidding? So funny. Yeah. Like that. And then they like, started church together in Honolulu. Yeah. Like what the I came out of a party and like at that age, I could get arrested on sites. So I'm like selling weed. I'm always on something, you know, so I have to look for a car to dive into. And I was like, I barely know this girl. I'm like, can I help come in your car? And my, my, there's a girl in the back I've never met from a different school. And now she's my wife, you know, 20, over 20 years later. Wow. Um, and one of the first, cause she, she, we like, you know, it's like high schools who party with each other basically. Yeah. Uh -huh. And one of the first things she said to me, she was like, look, she's like, I don't know what any of my friends seeing you. I don't think you're cute. Don't ever try to hook up with me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And what happened? Some people would be like, oh, and you took that as a challenge. I'm like, no, I had a natural fear of rejection. Like my ego is like, I don't get rejected by people. So I'm like, oh, if she said that, I'm not going to try for her because my status or my ego is like, I don't get rejected. So that completely like neutralized that part of our relationship and enabled mm -hmm. us to just be friends. And I had never oh, like wow. really had it like that. And it was special. Yeah. And I think unconsciously I was like, we always, you know, this is the era of we talk on the phone all the time, right? Mm -hmm. We call each other. Hey, can I, I talked to her mom. Can I talk to Christine today, please? Oh <laughs> gosh. Yes. And, but her showing interest in me without wanting anything from me and neutralizing the tactics of my ego to get value I think mm -hmm. opened up something in me where I was like, this is the first person who just is interested mm -hmm. in me for me. And I didn't know what that was like, because all you have is your ego and your status. And her doing that opened me up to this other journey of being seen by the very eyes at the center of this universe that are fixed on me with love. And yeah, that it wasn't, I hit bottom. It was, I'm at the top and I'm telling everybody, none of this is real. Mm -hmm. And now what do I do? I have to search for something real. So that was more of my story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
I love that story. And <laughs> I love to, you know, for those who pick up your book, the, the story of you truly, you know, of being on mushrooms and the way that you tell the story is so engaging, even for people who may be like, what? Like, no, I can't, but like, it's just so well explained and, um, and like, you can grasp it. Mm. Something like, I just think it's so cool how every person is different. And you talk a lot of in your book about not controlling other people and what they do and being disappointed because they chose this or chose that. Cause truly God can be experienced through any, he made our whole world. Right. Mm. And to allow people to have their journey, have their adventure with God and mm. let them be on it versus trying to decide what's going to be the best way for them to experience God. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. There's a chapter in the book called Mushrooms and Missionaries. Yeah. And, you know, I tell a story about the great mystic who I met, quoted before, Thomas Merton, where when he was going into this, his awakening at a young age, he was kind of starting to grow and evolve. And there was this visiting Hindu monk who was visiting the U.S. and lecturing. And Thomas Merton somehow, you know, it's like at a conference, you're like, can I talk to him now? There's an opening. Go, go, go. Uh-huh. And so... <laughs> and so Thomas Merton probably had his own moment of that with this Hindu monk. And he asked mm-hmm. this person named Mahanam Brata Brahmachari. He basically asked him for, you know, guidance and advice or where do I go? What do I read or whatever he says. And this Hindu monk tells him to read St. Augustine's confessions and Thomas Akempis' The Imitation of Christ. And I think that's mm-hmm. hilarious because I don't think in that Hindu monk's official job description was being a missionary for Jesus, mm-hmm. or, but in that way, he was pointing people further. He was pointing Thomas Merton towards the fullness of Christ. Like when I tell that story, I'm like, okay, let's, let's acknowledge for a second. The word missionary is tied up in this really toxic, dangerous, knot of imperialism and white supremacy and mm-hmm. domination and colonization, all in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Let's continue to dismantle, disentangle that I've been doing that. We all have our own roles to do that. Mm-hmm. So let me acknowledge that. But if you look at the, the, the positive word for missionary, it's like, okay, a missionary is someone who's supposed to point someone further towards Christ. They're not the point. They are pointing. That's a humble role to embrace in life. That's a good thing when it's, when it can be True. handled like that. Yeah. Yeah. And in that moment, that Hindu monk was a missionary pointing Thomas Merton further towards Christ in an unexpected mm-hmm. way. In that same way, mushrooms were a missionary for me, pointing me beyond themselves towards the fullness of Christ. Mm -hmm. And did I start off at 16 when I first ate mushrooms of like, this is a spiritual quest? No, I was like, we do drugs. I'm going to do this. That was where I was at in life at the time. Right. And, but soon, but quickly it became more than that. And what happened along the way, because I'm like, I'm becoming more successful. I'm going into a silent existential crisis of this isn't real. And the mushrooms are also a part of that. And within the mushrooms, I kept sensing them saying something like, yes, but keep going. Mm. Like they were a signpost pointing me to a future I couldn't see. Mm -hmm. They were pointing me to a freedom I desired, but didn't even know existed, but wanted more than anything else to believe was possible. They were like pointing me to a truth I hoped for, but wasn't guaranteed. So Mm -hmm. they were the signs without Mm -hmm. guides, right? Without youth group, without teachers, without hearing an altar call, they were the signs pointing me to the ocean, Mm -hmm. the ocean being God, truth, reality, life, source, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. 
And that's why once I, at 18, has finally had this direct, immediate awakening moment with God, I never did psychedelics again. I, I, I never did hard drugs again either. I never did psychedelics because mm-hmm. to me, I'm like, no, these were the signs that were pointing me to the truth. Yeah. They pointed me to and the ocean and the, re- and the rest of my life is learning to wake up and live my life in the ocean and to live mm. as the ocean and to make my home here. To yeah. me, I'm like, to go back to go back to the psychedelics, that would be to return to the signs. I'm already here. And yeah. it's even like what we said earlier about conferences. It's <laughs> easier for me to go back and just do mushrooms because it's an immediate guaranteed something is happening for six hours. It's just so powerful. It's going to be yeah. so intense and scary yeah. as well. Or I can begin the slow, like you said, Nicole, lifelong journey of healing and waking up in the ocean and getting to know and swimming deeper. And the the real journey, no matter how powerful of an experience you have on mushrooms, at a conference, in a sermon, it could be any at Burning Man, at a at a Reiki, like whatever it it could be (laughs) anything. No matter what it is, the real work is always after that. It's the slow, subtle resting of my spirit opening of my heart trusting in love letting living beyond all my old narratives this is always the real journey so it's to me after that i was like the the ending i've discovered this is actually new beginnings this is a lifelong journey into the depth Mm -hmm. of god after this wanted to remind you precious listeners about our nonprofit that works to stop child sex trafficking through education, relationships, and resources for those most vulnerable. We're ramping up our summer programming and in need of donor support. If you found this podcast helpful over the years, would you consider giving a one-time or even a monthly donation to our nonprofit, One Voice for Freedom? You can do that by simply visiting this website, onevoiceforfreedom.org and click give. That's onevoiceforfreedom.org. Also, we just opened registration for our next online survivor group. Unleash is an eight-week e-course featuring film, storytelling, journal exercises, and a virtual support group for the healing journey from sexual abuse. Would love to have you join us. Space is limited, so sign up now at IamOneVoice.org. That's IamOneVoice.org. And click on the Unleash banner at the top of the page. And two things I'm thinking about with that is so many of us have those signposts in our life, and it may not be mushrooms for other people. Mm. It might be. For most people, it's not, from what I know. (laughs) From what I've heard. I mean, I don't think everyone talks about it, but um, you're very brave to do so, especially as a pastor. Um, However, you know, it might be a person. It might be a deer. It may be a tree. Absolutely. It may be a book. You know, we all have those things, but that's not where we stop. It they are signposts pointing us to the next step mm. or to the entire ocean that we are to dive into and experience and playfully live with God in that way. And mm. it also brings me to um something that you said in your book about being familiar with the map without Mm. knowing the terrain. It's not Mm. the same thing. Mm. 
like you can, yeah, if you could unpack that, especially thinking about the healing journey, it really resonated with me. Like, yeah, we can be familiar with the map. We've read books and books and books. Yes. But we don't really know the terrain until you take that courageous step. Yes. You know, my, my wife's actually, a, she's a marriage and family therapist. Mm. So she has her own practice out here. She kills it. She's awesome at what she does. She's, she has it like, she's one of those people who's naturally like a healer who knows how to be with people. And then you add the formal education on it. Like, and she's a very, a very special, powerful mm. person, you know, Sounds and like to it. show, just yeah. to show her even more love on here. Yeah. I had this sense, even at 18, and our first, cause we moved to Hawaii for college and she was already out here and we just started mm-hmm. over just us at that age. And mm-hmm. I had this sense along the way of like, oh, a big part of my role here is loving her well so she could shine in this world Wow, because she has so much to give beyond mm-hmm. me. It's just so yes. much I can't do. And most people can, I just, you know, she's, yeah. she's so, but with her therapy, mm-hmm. you know, we've, talked about and I talk about you know the important roles of clarity and courage yeah so much of therapy conversations with friends whether it's professional you know mental health professionals or just friends and community is well at first we need to gain clarity mm-hmm. what is this there's there's the thing up here I'm angry there's resent whatever but then there's the thing behind the thing behind the thing behind the thing and it's oh it's actually believe it or not, more mom and dad stuff. Who would have thought, you know, we're always going <laughs> yeah. back to family ding, systems. Ding, ding. <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> I'm mad at you. And really, I'm just wondering, did my mom really ever approve yeah. of me? <laughs> right. Um, so you go through a process in different, in different moments. It's not, it's not a one-time thing, different, different parts of our healing journey as we're trying to put it all together into one thing. So mm-hmm. yes, let's get the clarity. Oh, like my, my wife, you know, and you, I'm sure you've had your experiences. You sit with people and you're kind of like within one talk, you're like, it's that, but I can't yeah. tell them that I have to lead them to discover that that's the role that's of right. that. Right. Yeah, that's Cause right. they're not ready to see it. Like mm-hmm. we all, we all see things on our own time. We awake at our own pace and we have to allow people to do that. Mm-hmm. And okay. Maybe six months goes by. I have clarity. I thought it was this. It's actually this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, clarity is great, but clarity and being able to see is not self-awareness is not transformation. Yeah. Self-awareness is being aware of that, which needs to be transformed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the beginning point. It's not the whole journey, seeing the journey and doing the journey. Yeah. Now that we've seen it. Mm-hmm. Oh, what do I have to do? I have to, there's some real forgiveness I got to do here. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? I, I have to let go. Like we talked about in the beginning, mm-hmm. I have to let go of some expectations mm-hmm. I've been holding on to for 15 years. Right. I have to accept, I've wanted to deny this part of my story, but I have to mm-hmm. accept, Hey, this happened and it, it, I'll name it for what it is. Let's name it. It's hard to even say it out loud. Mm-hmm. That acceptance, letting go of forgiveness, which it, a lot of times it comes back to that. That is, th- that is the doing of the journey. When mm-hmm. I hear Brene Brown say a great quote about healing, I'm like, yes, when yeah. it's my turn, to face that and to feel it in my body, my body's convulsing and my mm-hmm. ego's contracting and everything in me wants to leave and somehow deflect. That is the doing of the journey. That yeah. is me. Can I hold this space all the way through? And hopefully I have one or two people I love a lot who can help hold me together as I'm holding this space for myself and trusting the spirit and love is holding all of this together along the way. 
but that is like, I don't want as a, a pastor, a leader, it's like the real work isn't someone hearing a quote and saying, oh, that's good. It's them saying, oh, this is real. And this hurts as I lead my way through it. But that is the path. So yeah, you and can have able to sit to sit with the hard feelings, the heaviness and the losses. You know, we think that we're not doing anything. We're not moving. Mm-hmm. If we're not moving, and like you said earlier, if we're not hustling, mm-hmm. then this isn't even productive. Mm-hmm. But truly, I mean, this far down in my healing journey, I just resonate with what you're saying so much because the biggest steps in my personal healing from sexual abuse has been in sitting with it. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, I almost don't want to say that to people mm-hmm. because I know how hard it is, but yeah. I also give my life to saying it to people because yeah. I know how real it is. It you is. Know? And, yeah. And it's amazing. I'm 37. You know, my wife and I started and led this church for almost 10 years that we're in the process of like, you know, moving into it's, it's in its last chapter. So we'll be ending, you know, right around the end of May probably. And I'm like, oh, you know what? When I think about, let's talk about leaders for a second, right? Productive people, high capacity people, right? The ones yeah. we promote at all costs, both in yeah. and outside the church, you know? Uh-huh. Well, you know what? One of the most spiritually mature things we can do is learn how to feel our own feelings. Mm-hmm. That's it. Oh, my favorite quote. <laughs> I sent it to like five of my closest friends from your book. It was... um page 15, you talk about this, what fuels CEOs, what makes great Mm. athletes, like the hustle, the nature to just drive the refuse to lose. Um, and you said, you know, why you said you can't grit your way out of heartbreak. Mm. You can't try your way out of trauma. You can't will your way past anxiety. Mm. And you said a refuse to lose mindset doesn't help when what's required for growth and movement are the acceptance of hurt and loss. If the only mm. way to evolve is through our ability to embrace loss, then that refuse to lose mindset is the very thing that will keep you stuck. Mm. I love that. It's what I have truly seen. Yeah, that that is in a chapter. I think that chapter is called like Peloton the ego and transformation or something yeah you know? Cheer, cheerleading for the ego and as you can see that our peloton bike right behind me <laughs> i know <laughs> right. um yeah that right there is you know a chapter where i you know the bigger picture is you know there is encouraging the self on the way to success mm-hmm. and then there is the dying to the self on the way to freedom And those are two different parts of the journey. And that's really for me into first and second half of life spirituality right there. You know, Roar would say you have to have an ego to let go of one. Somebody would say, uh, Hmm. you know, you have to be somebody before you can be nobody, right? You need that ego strength. You need to make something of yourself. I'm making a name for myself. I'm capable. This is all good. (laughs) But being too attached to that, those ego forms of success and those roles won't mm-hmm. get you to the second half of your life. And so mm-hmm. often what we seek through inspiration is only going to be found through real transformation. Mm-hmm. And in that chapter, it's like, what we do is we want to overcome the limitations or the boundaries of the ego with the strength of the ego. 
Yeah. So somebody went in their real healing journey, like, yeah, up until 30, 35, you can just try really hard and keep going. If you're a, if you're a high powered person, Mm -hmm. Hey, what do you do? Grit your teeth and work harder. What do you do? It's 10 45 PM and you're still responding to whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like some people with that personality can just go. Grind, Those are the grind it out. Get... Yeah, Until exactly. You what else do we do? Yeah. High functioning. And... Yeah. High functioning people can do that. Yeah. And some people have that in their personality and you have an entire culture and an, and a very large portion of church culture that basically says, yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. And what I want to say is that's okay for a while in your life, but for radical healing and transformation, that same ego strength and willpower won't get you there. Mm-hmm. That, that is why, you know, when you talk about sitting with things, like, what is that? You're not doing yeah. anything. You're yeah. not, you can't like, there's my to-do list, my things app. I'm going to knock it off. What did I do at 830? Just sat there. Yeah. <laughs> I felt the feelings. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that, that to me is a part of the alchemy and the mystery and the beauty and the power of the next stage of awakening and transformation in the spirit. And as we're following Jesus being invited into this path of transformation is that real work. When we talk about doing the journey, it's not the grinding, grasping, gripping energy of the ego, which Mm -hmm. all allows us to be in control, by the way, Mm -hmm. that's why we're good at it. Like I don't have that personality, to be honest. I'm more like chill. Like I should be more responsible in life. (laughs) But I get the high power stuff because it's just different yeah. ways we, we're, we're shaped in this world. Mm-hmm. Well, trauma well, coping includes a need for control. So I think a lot of us have that. Yeah. Ex- you know, and, and you'll see that the people who oftentimes are those high power beneath the surface, you're like, there's a lot, there's some real work to do here. You yeah. know? And, and it's <laughs> yeah. scary. And, and that's why it can be so hard to break through for high power people. Because one, mm-hmm. they're being told that they're being promoted and they're, they're mm-hmm. some of the, the dark side of the outworking of their trauma is this it, just ability to keep working, you know, if that's mm-hmm. their thing and they keep getting promoted, but also that next work is, it isn't trying hard. I say this at some point in the book, I'm like, it's not hustling, it's healing. It's mm-hmm. not the real transformation doesn't come from trying harder. It comes from being loved better. Well, if yeah. you want to do that, the muscles that's required of you is not the thing that makes the great CEO that makes the mega church pastor who's building an empire and, you know, possibly like imploding along the way, you know, as we Mm -hmm. see, as we're building those same structures as treating the church, like it's a corporation. It's not Mm. in the future. I I feel like people may look back and be like, you know, structuring the church after a corporation may have not been the best thing historically. let's just, and and I think we're seeing that happening right now, to be honest. Mm. Um, Yeah. But it's the path of the mystic, the path of waking up, the path of healing is it's mm-hmm. allowing, it's uncoiling, it's yeah. unguarding our heart. It's, it is energy, but it's not a controlled gripping energy. It's an energy of allowing myself to be undone in mm-hmm. the presence of God. Oh, it's, it is energy, but it's opening my heart, not, not gritting my teeth. Right. That's a good, I never said it before like that, but you know, we can, you know, use that for a quote. It's like, that's, you know, it's opening the heart, not gritting our teeth. It's not putting my hands on it tighter. It's prying or it's taking our hands off and letting go and allowing like spiritual journey is a great allowing Mm -hmm. of the spirit. We have to let ourselves be undone 
yeah. in the presence of God. And then the spirit of God will put us back together. Right. And yeah. when we talk about survivors and we talk about trauma and abuse, that movement I just described is one of the hardest things in the mm-hmm. world. So I want to acknowledge that's not a simple thing. Mm-hmm. I'll take that yeah. back. It's simple, but it's not easy. Mm. You know, just like let, letting yourself be loved. That sounds simple. And it's the hardest thing in the right. world. Because yeah, it's a simple thing to say, hard thing to do. Yeah. A lot because, of this reminds me of speaking of Brene Brown, her Netflix special. There's a quote she says at the end. And I think you can plug in whatever area of life is your thing where I'm trying to tackle this area or get better or dig deeper. And she said, at the end of the day, you have to look at, was I willing to get into the arena? And we know for our own personal lives, what it looked like to get into the arena and if we were willing to show up or not emotionally, mentally, spiritually, that can be applied to Mm -hmm. so many areas. Um, But that's what I think about. And and it's not about grinding it out and being the CEO and the next pop star YouTube sensation. Um, It's at the end of the day in those quiet moments going, what is my purpose here on earth? What am I here to Mm -hmm. do? And am I willing to get in there and next level healing and that career I wanted to go after that's helping people in a third world country, you know, again, fill in the blank, whatever Mm. it is. Um, Mm. But I just love that quote from her, you know, as we look at the purpose of life and just having courage and getting in there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's such a, you know, like a unique, she has such a unique role culturally for the past 10 years or so. I mean, she's basically popularized and normalized like vulnerability and real healing. Right, you know, yeah. she's done so much more than that, but at the heart of it, and that's mm-hmm. an amazing gift that she has to offer at such a broad level. And mm-hmm. I get, you know, with, with the healing stuff we mentioned, it's can the people who know how to work hard, know how to grind it out. Can they dare to let themselves fall apart in the presence of God? Cause if the mystic knows you can vol- you can voluntarily fall apart in the presence of God, or the world will break you apart at some point because of the pressure. And I think that's yeah. what the mystic and the person who knows God and spiritual practices and silence and solitude and all that is, mm-hmm. but you know what I do every, in silence, I'm letting myself fall apart in the presence of God and that's mm-hmm. it. And then I return. I'm like, Oh, I didn't have to hold everything together all the time or the world was going to implode. And for, for people who are overcoming trauma and real hurt, mm-hmm. that is such a difficult thing, but it is the great invitation of the gospel And of Mm -hmm. the Jesus who knows the path of death and resurrection and knows what it feels like to have, even to have trauma inflicted on his entire being, you know, if you, if you can look at it like that, Mm -hmm. to me, the cross is, is an icon of acceptance. Yeah. It's Jesus not fighting back, not denying, not avoiding. It's taking Mm -hmm. it all, all the evil and all this pain and all this weight of reality and this cosmic sense into him and saying, I can carry this and exhaust it of its power because there is a larger truth that's bigger than that. And it's called resurrection. And anytime we feel and trust the, the mystic is the one who trusts the death. Anytime we feel our way through what feels like a death, the story we're living in is it's always resurrection in life, you know, and the spirit carries us through that place where we feel like we're going to spontaneously combust. If mm-hmm. we really hold that space. And in the end, we're like, no, there's actually more on the other side. And that's what <laughs> made, that's why I'm a Christian. Cause that story is so real. You know, that's what mm-hmm. holds it all together for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mom, 
I know we need to wrap this up, but um, just hey, all that. And it's only 8.52 a.m. for me right now. <laughs> okay, rub it in. Hawaii, thank you. Yeah, really. Ugh, we're stuck in the middle of Ohio, but okay. Um, you talked about the enlightened path has no expectations. Um, I think a lot of us have a lot of expectations on ourselves and on other people in order for us to feel free. Mm. Um or enlightened. I don't know if you had like a minute to even just kind of wrap us up in talking about, yeah, how, if you were to say to, especially a survivor of some type of abuse that just wants to be able to breathe freely, Mm. you know, that dropping of the expectations, allowing to sit with yourself experience God. I mean, what kind of words would you have for someone who's always felt tight? Like they can't Mm. really breathe. They're scared to take a step. They don't trust anybody. They have to be in control. Mm. Like, What would you say to help them take that first courageous step? They've heard it all. It might Mm. be clear, but like. You can let yourself be cared for. Yeah. That there is a larger that the deepest dimension of the world we live in is love and it's love that can hold you together in, in a way that actually works better than all of the energy that you've exhausted trying to hold yourself together. And there can be people who can, who can hold you together too, Mm. you know? It's, Mm -hmm. there's so much that is hard to open your heart in those spaces and to trust people in. But to me, the incarnation of Jesus is this, the matter, the union of spirit and matter. And it's God is usually not, not just experienced through the presence of a person next to you, but as the person next to you. And that's what I would say is, there's no expectations on when you do it, no obligation to do it, no mm-hmm. pressure for you to do it for the sake of anybody else, including this if an inner critical voice that we sometimes mistake as God. Healing is an, it's never an obligation. It's always an invitation from God. Mm-hmm. And so if, and, or when you choose, I think you can discover, you can be cared for in this world And in slow, subtle ways, start to let yourself be undone, start to let parts of you fall apart into the presence of love and of God and to discover the mysterious thing that the same spirit that Colossians 1.17 says, you know, hold in him, all things hold together. And in that same presence of Christ, you can be held together too. So that's what Mm. I would say. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm chills that hit me deep. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. Kevin Sweeney, the author of The Making of a Mystic. It comes out this month. Please May 31st. May 31st. May 31st. I'm like, I'm I'm still have my, a lot of time ahead. I'm building towards it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, how would you like people to contact you? Maybe you don't want them to follow <laughs> you on t- Instagram. Text me at a <laughs> um. I think the best way to stay in touch is on my Instagram is where I will probably keep the most things up to date. So at Kevin Sweeney one, 
Um, I have my own podcast called The Church Needs Therapy. That's right. In light I love of that everything title. we're talking Preach. about. So, yeah, I uh, half of it is like bringing guests on. Half of it is me doing my own mm-hmm. teachings and things on there. Uh, the Making of a Mystic comes out May 31st on Choir Publishing. Shout out to them. And yeah, as the time builds up towards that, you know, there'll be, there's, you know, all kinds of fun things I'm doing, book release parties. I'll have some merch and some shirts connected with it that I'm excited okay. about. I'll have, I'll, I'll be selling prints of like six of, you know, of quotes I love, you know, from the book as well for people. And yeah, to me, when, when, if someone picks up this book, you know, and I, I feel like I'm in, I intentionally try, even though I'm, sometimes there's complex ideas I do try to write it like this is for everybody and I'm not writing as an academic at all because Mm -hmm. for me when when people read this book it's like you know I don't personally you don't have to believe what I believe in life you don't have to think the things I think about Jesus you don't have to see and organize the world the same way but regardless the same infinite love that's pouring itself out into me is I believe pouring itself out onto everybody at all times in the exact same way. And I think there's a ministry of anybody can wake up to that in any moment. Mm-hmm. And I just, for me, I'm like, there's always more life, you know, yeah. me and Drake have that in common, you know, there's more life and we both want that for people. Name drop. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but uh, that's what I think. There's always more life ahead and that life mm-hmm. ahead does not come all at once. It comes one step at a time. And Mm -hmm. that's what, that's how real life works, you know? So the next step for one person listening is very different from the other person's step. And even when it comes to comparison, that's why something I say in the book is why would it matter if people are passing me by when they're not going where I'm going? Mm-hmm. they're not that that's your that's your journey that's your path and I hope to through the unique story of my life to help be an open door into this cosmic story that I think is unfolding through all of life and through every individual's life as well so mm-hmm. yeah again thank so you good. both for this time I just you know I cherish these times and they're so much fun and as a first-time mm-hmm. author these are so meaningful because of that and as I transition out of congregational life as a pastor these conversations and this whole journey to, towards the book is larger steps just towards the next 10 year right. chapter of my life. So it even takes on that significance. So these moments are so important for me and so meaningful. So thank mm. you both for this. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. We'd love to have you again, you know, as you see what God has next for you, you know, we would love to invite you back and continue. Hey, the well, conversation. You know, with that said, I will say as a shameless plug, my second book is coming out January 3rd. Boom. I, I pitched, I pitched the publisher on publishing my first two books really close. Okay. And uh, that That's one's the, the rough title is the joy of letting go. Why one mm. thing has the power to change everything. Oh, that's so, my favorite part of this book. So, so now we'll I'm going to be having you. So you'll be getting another DM or email from me in about four or five months as we that build it. up to okay. that. Got so it. listeners, you're going to be like, what was that guy's name? And all of a sudden I'm going to be on another episode. <laughs> returning guest again <laughs> you kev's back again yeah. just we did, it. We, we did it for him let's be honest he was really adamant right. <laughs> and next time you're rapping great got it <laughs> i mean that if we you know if we can guarantee you're like you no know, every two bars another six books you'll help me sell we'll fi- we'll figure something out along the way absolutely you know? <laughs> we got you back kev Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Well, Mary, I know you got to run. I know, Kevin, I've only allotted till three. So we'll catch you. Thank you Thanks, so much. Thanks, Kevin.
Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.